0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Brave UX. I'm Brendan Jarvis, Managing Founder of The Space In Between, the home of New Zealand's only specialist evaluative UX research practice and world-class UX lab, enabling brave teams across the globe to dearest product design and equally brave leaders to shape and scale design culture. Here on Brave UX though, it's my job to help you to put the pieces of the product puzzle together. I do that by unpacking the stories, learnings, and expert advice of world-class UX design and product management professionals. My guest today is William Intim. William is a senior UX designer at PayPal, where he's helping to shape the future of the company's financial products, making it easier for people to send and receive money across the globe. Before joining PayPal, William was a senior UX designer at the Home Depot. There, William owned the end-to-end experiences for B2B order management, purchase history, cart and checkout, as well as several other product experiences. In 2020, William was named LinkedIn's number one top voice in design. In his words, it started with a single passionate rent. It resulted in the incredibly popular random UX tip series that put him on the radar for many UXs across the world. William has since gathered and transformed these pieces of bite-sized value into a book called 101 Random UX Tips, where you can find out more about that at 101randomuxtips.com. Alongside his work commitments, William is helping to develop other UXs as a mentor on ADP List. He also shares his knowledge with the community through presentations and podcasts, including for Ignite UX Michigan, Concentric 2021, and Savannah College of Art and Design. And now, it's my pleasure to have him here today to speak with me on Brave UX. William, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's great it really is great to have you here i can't can't actually think of a better way to round out the year this is the last recorded podcast of 2021 for brave ux so it is a pleasure to have you here william and i was also listening to some of the uh, recent interviews that you'd given this year and there was something that i almost missed in one of them i had to go back and replay it and it was that you said that you were born and raised in Ghana. And the reason why I had to go back and replay that is because you have such a perfect American accent <laughs> and you didn't elaborate any further on this. So I absolutely had to, to ask you about this as my first question today. What can you tell me about that journey, your life in Ghana, your journey to America? You know, how old were you when you arrived and how did this all come to be?
1: Yeah, awesome. No, I'm glad you caught that, actually. A, a lot of people uh, get surprised by it, you know, and it's uh, it's part of my story, but uh, every now and then it does seem it seemed to be forgotten, you know, because I my accent, I think I lost my accent a little bit there. But I, so yeah, I was born and raised in Ghana, West Africa, grew up, uh, went to high school, senior high school and everything. I was the kid that loved computers, you know, so... So in in, in Africa, you would, you have to, if you don't have internet access at home, you would have to pay for internet at the internet cafe, which is a, let's say it's about a dollar an hour or, you know, the local currency is Cedis, but I've forgotten whatever the, what the actual amount was, but it was, you pay for the time and you sit behind a computer and you can browse, check your emails and all that. So my mom would actually give us uh, money to go do that. You know how little kids or certain kids would be playing video games or doing this and that? I was just going to the internet cafe. So I was, met, you know, messing with PhotoDraw, Microsoft PhotoDraw, which is a very old, old, old application. And I think there was a free website builder website that I used, you know, to just play around building websites. I mean, but I I don't remember what, I don't know if it was webs or Wix or something was there way back then, um, back in the 2000s so i used that to play around that was really how my love for um software design you know f- uh, formed right and and then i got fast forward i got accepted to lone star college here in houston texas and then that's really that that was in 2009 i was 19 years old oh well there's a fun story that i just remembered too
0: yeah <laughs> um, gosh yeah <laughs> we're all about fun stories <laughs> so
1: so so in, another crazy thing is so before I left, I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've, I've wanted to be a lot of things in in my lifetime. So an actor was one of them.
0: Well, you and know, I, William, I can, I can see that. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon, if this whole product design thing doesn't pan out, I reckon you should give acting another shot.
1: <laughs> Definitely, I wanted to be an actor, a model. I mean, I wanted to be a lot of things, right? I think I'd be a rapper at one point. But anyway, we'll get to that story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I. I wanted to be an actor. I auditioned for a local comic uh, show in Ghana and I got the main character. So this was a TV, TV show. So it was pretty huge. It was huge. And um, I, I believe if I did not come to the United States in 2009, I probably would be pursuing you know, acting in, in Ghana because that, that was a major comedy show that was aired on one of the local, uh, the main local channel. So I was acting in the middle of acting. I think we shot, let's say, you know, we shot quite a few episodes. And then it's like, oh, I got my acceptance letter from the university or the college, community college. And then I was like, oh, director, I got to leave for America. It's like, okay, well, when we come back, that's fine. We can take a break. It's like, no, like I'm I'm leaving, leaving. I have no, you know, no return ticket right now. It's college, four years. And then I don't know what that's gonna look like afterwards. So he had to update the story, the storyline, <laughs> the script. He they didn't kill me like in the script, but they made me travel for school and they replaced me with another character. Uh, so it was quite sad, but it was it's pretty interesting. That was that was what I was doing, you know. I had graduated senior high school, and between senior high school and university was kind of what that time was what I was doing with my time.
0: Yeah. So you, you got your you got your entrance. You come over and, and you go to college in the states. Did you have to leave family behind? Was this something that you did on your own? And yeah. you know, t- just tell me about that. What was that like? So my my older
1: brother, you know, because so I do have some family here, and then mm. but the majority of family is, is is back home. But it was a very interesting experience since that was the first time I took a an airplane. So it was pretty wild, but I am i think I'm an av- adventurous guy. So it was bittersweet, um, but I, you know, I had these goals or I knew my potential and I needed access to new technology, to opportunities, you know, the kind that I didn't find back back in Ghana at the time. And even with internet, you know, internet access, like you had to go to internet cafe to to pay for it, which I'm sure you could get that uh, installed. There are homes that have it, you know, in Ghana now, but we lived pretty far from, not super far, but we lived um, in like a new construction area. So, you know, trying to get electricity out, I mean, um, not electricity, uh, we, we had electricity, trying to get the internet out there. It was just so much work. And my mom wasn't like super tech, you know, heavy. So it's just like, look, it just wasn't
0: uh, yeah so things that we take for granted don't we you yeah. know when you when you live somewhere like in you know in Houston or where I do in Auckland it's as a given that you're going to have it but i can understand like that the, the, the de- definite need that you're describing there to actually go somewhere where just access is uh, readily available so you can develop and build on those skills that you are working hard on in that internet cafe it's yeah. great to hear that you it's weren't a- just playing games either because that's that's usually what people are doing in internet cafes yeah.
1: I was i was weird i was out there just building i was building websites i had like a t-shirt i actually had a t-shirt clothing line in ghana that was i would buy blank t-shirts and you know buy paint and design them and i'll be uh, i'll sell them to like my classmate high school classmates and everything i did that it was pretty successful too like i had a lot of people buying my clothes my clothing brand and i think people still have it to this day i also like sold Um, I created these drawstring bags, custom, all handmade. I'll buy material like leather, different kinds. I'll go to the market to buy all these different types of fabric and then cut out and create custom backpacks. I mean, I was really going in with all the crafts and stuff. And I was selling, I was making money. Uh, And then I got, you know, and then I was, I graduated and then went into Act 10, uh, and then, you know, got the, acceptance and the visa and all that so
0: yeah and it's this this confidence this positivity and and this entrepreneurialism that you're describing that did stand out to me when i was looking at your body of work watching your previous interviews and and of course um, preparing for today and you said something recently on in another interview one with Caden Darmiano, damiano um yeah. that made me a bit a bit curious about another aspect of you which is something that you're actually kind of talk, talking about here which is this uh, quite deep-seated drive to do lots of things. You obviously are <laughs> quite focused, but you you don't mind being busy. You know, you're yeah. working at Pay, PayPal as a as a full-time product designer. You've released a book recently. I understand you're working on another one. You've yeah. also become see. a father. Just two books. You know, see, yeah, this is, is right. what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and you know, th- throw in there becoming a, a father recently as well. You know, that's a that's, that's awesome. a pretty full plate that you've got going <laughs> on. Yeah. So how I mean, how are you balancing if it, if that's even the right word yeah. managing the the professional demands that you have placed upon yourself yeah. and the the sort of personal um demands if you like that that fatherhood brings
1: yeah definitely no that's a good that's a very good question i think the the honest answer is Actually, I'm not going to say that. You know, I was going to say the honest answer is like, oh, I don't know. I just, it just happens. But <laughs> it really, <laughs> but I feel like that's going to be misleading to a lot of people listening who, you know, um, want to be able to manage your time better and, and all that. The, the honest answer is I it's planning and strategy, you know, because for me, I've been and discipline and all the things that we we read about and watch about, uh, I do these things Can I say that? Like I do it naturally. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I do it naturally, but it, it's something that you have to, it's a skill that you have to develop. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can get, you can get to that natural uh, performance or, you know, peak level of, of performance, but it's, you know, like LeBron James or all these great athletes. You know they practice 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 so much then it becomes a natural thing where they're like uh well, i was like how are you so great well i i don't know i'm just look I'm, I'm good at what i do you know but but it's practice it's strategy it's planning and also that drive you know you you got to have goals right it really comes down to the goals aspect um so so yeah constantly learning constantly reading constantly you know just plan out the day to... to so I, I've been telling people this uh, recently, actually, that I'm a seconds kind of guy, like seconds as in minutes, hours, and seconds. And I think it's pretty cool. I, I just think it's a cool way to say it because a, lo- a lot of people miss out on the seconds of each day, but I plan to the second. So, you know, when we were on a call, you you saw, you heard my alarm go off. I've planned to the second or lived by the second rule so much so that I can sit still for a specific period of time and tell you exactly how much time has passed without like looking at the watch. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I I could, without looking at the watch, just sit here and be having a conversation with you. And you know we could be drinking having a drink and just talking about life and i would mentally know okay it's probably about 30 32 35 minutes so far and then just kind of planning okay if i have somewhere to be in the next 45 i'm already kind of mentally doing that work of like okay maybe let's bring
0: it here let's take it there uh it's it's pretty cool but yeah planning strategy well i want to go into that actually so let's stay on time because time Well, you know, without getting too cliched, it is our most precious resource, right? And (laughs) how we spend it, who we choose to invest it with, and and really speaks a lot about who we are and what we value. And I recently heard you describe your relationship with time as Mm. well. And you said that's changed in recent years. In fact, I believe you bought an hourglass just so that you could hold time in your hands hands. yes yes where where does this come from like this is this is something interesting to unpack you know where does this need to it seems like to me anyway command control time where does this come from
1: i think i think it's a lot of you're you're right it it has to come from somewhere and i think it's a combination of where i was born and raised you know because in africa the opportunities the you know, there, there's electricity. It's not as, there are worse parts. Right. But I feel, and we were, we were middle-class, so we were good. You know, my mom was, she raised us, she was a single mom, but she was fine. And um, my older brother went to university of Texas, you know, here. So, you know, we weren't super poor or anything. We were just middle-class, you know, we were average. We had everything um, that we needed, but I feel like coming from that Part of uh, the part of the world, you learn to appreciate the smallest things, you know, so much, and kind of, you know, kind of back to um, coming back to what you were talking about um, opportunity. So when I touched down here in the United States, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in, in more details, I know, but there's so there's so much opportunity that I saw that a lot of people were blind to, you know, and that's just the natural tendency of of human to not see what they have when they have it. And that's just everybody, myself included. And even goes back to like, you know, way back in the 1900s or well, you know, back during the slave trade time and all that, where it's like, well, Africans were sitting on gold. And then, you know, it's like, what do we really do with it? I don't know. But it's just, whatever you have, if it's a precious, you know, opportunity and you don't take advantage of it, mostly there are people third eye or third perspective that are coming in that will, Will see the value of that uh, more than you would, uh, but I believe it comes from where I was raised, the way I was raised. You know, I think my mom did a good job raising us, and then reading. Le- I learn and read so much, you know, and just like
0: I did, your mother read to you
1: a lot when you were a kid. I think so. I, I, I think so. I mean, she was a so she she's a retired police woman, so mm-hmm. I, I think she did when we were re- you know really little, but. My memories kind of stop around seven years old. That's where I, as far as I can remember too. And back then, uh, well, at that age, we were going to school on our own. So it's like, hey, (laughs) but, but yeah, so a lot of reading, a lot of learning, and then just always want the, the, the need or the want to be better and the want to fully become fully emerge because. Um, I listened to this this um, was it a sermon? No, it was just a talk, a webinar about uh, from Dr. Miles Monroe, and he said a seed has everything it needs in it, and I think that struck me. And that's just maybe the past six, seven years that I've been listening to him. And it's like, so the seed has that whole tree inside the, the seed. It's just a matter of like putting it down, you know, planting it, um, and then all of that emerges. So realizing that as as a human being, there is a purpose that you know I have to accomplish. But then also realizing that wait, you can do and become anything you want. What you know? It's like oh my goodness, I could be that and this and that. It's just like let me let me do it. So I just you know try to do all I can, and then you know enjoy life to the fullest. Also because a little bit morbid, but because I won't be here forever. You know, I like I want to take advantage of my time here um and impact as much lives as like, I can. And so that way when I'm you know, when my time is up, I can
0: say deuces guys, it was fun. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. You know, you, you spoke about, you know, a lot of reading, a lot of thinking, but you you've also described the third ingredient in that, which is a lot of doing, a lot of action. Yeah. And when I was thinking about what I had already known about your views on time when I was preparing for da- today, it reminded me of a quote uh, of Napoleon's, or at least it's attributed to Napoleon, the the old mm. um, French general, which was the quote is the reason I beat the Austrians is they did not know the value of five minutes, and wow. you know you were, and and that's to do with obviously military strategy on the battlefield, and there's a window in every battle back in those days where yeah. that five minutes can turn the tide. In, in your favor but you you described bef- just before about you know living to the second which is which has taken like napoleons <laughs> and blowing him well out of the water here yeah what i mean what, what it seems to me like you and, and i use this word not not lightly but it seems to me that it's almost as if you're afraid that you're going to run out of time yeah. for that fi- your final moment to get done whatever it is that you seek yes. to get done
1: Yes. No, absolutely. I think that's the, the sense of urgency is what a lot mm. of people miss. And even in relationships, you know, I you know, I've had relationships, like we're all adults, but even in relationships, it's just friendships, you know, males, females, doesn't matter. It's just time is so I feel like it's difficult to help people realize its uh delicacy, which can be such a you know, a huge disconnect between people. You know, and 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 then another crazy or funny thing is so back in Ghana, if something is five o'clock, you normally show up five fifteen, five twenty, like the African time. They call it the African time. That's just what it is. So, but then you know, getting to the United States and realizing, wait, no, that's not how it works. It's normally before. <laughs> so I had to shift into that. But but I think the overall kind of that crux of me like value in time like okay you know because back home I did design a fashion design I did acting I went to school got my degrees so it was like you you know I want to take advantage of every little second and that that you know that hourglass comment that I made I mean that was so exciting to me when I could really process oh this is one hour like i like I'm literally Looking at the time and feeling this is one hour and it's going, it's passing by. Um, I think that was so crazy to me, you know, just to realize. And then the more I read and the more I learn, it's like, wow, you really, and you're getting older. And every, just, just everything around you is really prepping you to value what time is, has is given you and has given you so far. Um, and I think it's something that we have to continue to take advantage of.
0: I have to say that maybe it's just the particular time of year that we're recording this and the, uh, relatively reflective state that I've been in, although it has been hectic mm. as well. It's so refreshing, uh, to have this conversation about time and to hear you speak with such, uh, fervor and passion for life and how you live it and where you spend mm. your time. I, I think it's a, it's a really great reminder, for us um, and when this comes out it will be January but for us at the beginning of a new year to to take stock of and to think about just exactly how we're going to spend that time and you're also reminding me of something else that's really important and it has come up a couple of times in conversation on the podcast which is the real energy that people that immigrate from one country to another and the fresh pair of eyes that they bring when they do that that injects yeah. so much value into their new home of choice you know yeah. this is something that i was speaking with i don't know if you've come across koji um, who's a senior design koji. manager at twitter koji pereira he's a previous yeah. Yeah, guest yeah. and he came from brazil to to the us uh, probably about right around the same time that you did actually maybe a little later and we were having a similar conversation you know just about that um that energy and and also the the value that the immigrant people do bring and i think yeah. we forget that we forget that you know we're not aware of it we get so used yeah. to people that people that are from the the country that you're immigrating to we forget that because we get too complacent and too complacent. comfortable
1: yeah no i agree yeah. and, and it's interesting now that we're talking about it it's it seems to be every single immigrant in every single other country or like foreign country because like you know like the whole african thing like yeah we had, you know, uh, foreign teachers come down and we have, you have foreign business owners and entrepreneurs, investors flying out to different parts of the world. It's just that there is always a new view perspective of like, oh, wait, you guys have this, we could do this and that with this. And then they get in there and then next thing you know, they start an operation of some massive, you know, corporation and you're just like, wait, but. Dang, we like we lived around this all our lives, you know, and in the same way with people coming to the United States or going to like other places, it's just new new perspective. And I think the key is probably the new perspective, right? So being able to being in a new world or a new environment mm. creates new perspective. So uh, another another part of why I kind of move the way I do is. Uh, also, for that new perspective opportunity there of like, okay, even in my my uh, UX design career, I have worked in so many different industries, but still a UX designer. And the reason I did that was to be able to learn all these new to 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 obtain and retrieve all these new perspectives from different industries and how it pertains to UX design.
0: So I'm, re- that's- I'm really pleased you brought that up. Yeah, I'm. Re- yeah. I'm re- it's a really key point actually the that your intentionality around experiencing different industries and i believe you've come to a happy place now in paypal in terms of finance and and at least i've heard you talk about it in terms of you feel like this is a industry or a sector that you are uh, wanting to invest you know a significant amount of time in. no matter i don't know what that amount is but you're you're quite happy here what is it about um having been and seen a number of different industries and now finally arrived in finance what is it about finance that is has really captured you
1: so i think that's a really good question i think when i or as i matured in my uh, career in my profession as it grew from junior to med to senior I you know i also grew in just life and in interest and in knowledge of Managing investments or saving money or finances, or, well, you know, how are you going to take care of yourself over the next two years? You know, so planning ahead and all that. So that has always been my interest and, you know, I've been in investments here and there and, you know, real estate and all that as I grew. So it was kind of at this, you know, at the stage that I am now, it was just kind of a happy marriage there where I was like, okay if i can still do what i'm doing as a senior ux designer i would love to be in finance because i mean i've always had a bank account you know and some first of all some of the ux pretty is is pretty bad with financial institutions but also i believe that's going to give me insight it's going to give me knowledge new perspective on how you know finance works how you know uh how to be even a better manager of my finances right which I mean I've done I've done a pretty good job I think so far but there's always room to grow uh and plus I I had pretty much touched on um a lot of a lot of major industries already at the you know at the time I've I've been in the real estate um hair care uh, health and fitness. I mean, so I was kind of like really checking the boxes and I was like, yeah, finance seems to be the next thing for me. I need to, I need to get in there. I had a brief break with another company, Skill Factor, before, before PayPal. And that was finance. So I think like I got, I got a taste of that and I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. Let's talk, let's talk numbers. <laughs> yeah. I like talking anything with numbers now. That's kind of where my interest is this season. So it was, a, it was a, yeah
0: things are going really well for you and that is fantastic to hear and that's definitely been the the trajectory that you've been on but it hasn't always been smooth sailing has it i remember you talking about a time in particular in 2017 where you lost your job at build matter and it took you three months to get your next job which was at the home depot and you said and i'm going to paraphrase here you said that um, at the time you weren't even on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. you promised yourself that you would never let this happen to you again. Never ever. ever. <laughs> Why did it take, so take us back there. Let's <laughs> rewind the clock, rewind time. Rewind Why time. did it take three months at that point in your life to, to get a new job? And what actions did you take as a result of that?
1: So it was interesting because I. You know, I I've, I had been in the industry for over six, seven well, six years or five years, a little over five years, uh, but it was the last three were remote, you know, last two and a half were remote. So I did not know anybody will have a network here in Texas and then uh, living in Houston the network, I had a huge network there, but I, I owned a magazine company at that time. So the whole network that I had there were more businesses and, you know, young professionals. And it was huge, you know, in the, in that fashion and uh, young professional industry, arts and all that. But then for software design, that was like my full time. And I didn't really have a network around that. And then I moved to 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 Austin, Texas for a, HostGator, a job at HostGator. That was really what brought me to Austin. And I, I loved it. Um, and I fell in love with the city. But then I was still remote. Well, I I, I was in person until I, I left Hostgator for a remote company, and I worked there for about a year and a half. So, if the that's the disadvantage of working remote. You know, you don't have that physical, or if you don't make conscious effort to build a physical network, you don't you won't have that. Um, and then here I was after my contract was technically over because we rebuilt the system and the software and relaunched the edutech edu- platform. Oh, that's the thing. I've been in education as well, which I think was huge. It was like, well, you know, uh, low funding, you know, startup, startup life, low funding, et cetera. I was like, okay, this is not working as needed. So once that was done, they were like, hey, well, we're going to have to let you go. I was like, not a problem, you know, because I'm good. I had a good resume. I was like, yeah, I'll I'll find another company. And then I was like, wait, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. And it's like, oh, this is not as easy as I thought. Um, And then I didn't have, I wasn't active on LinkedIn. Um, but I was just researching, applying, doing this and figuring out where is that network that I want to build, you know? And it's like, okay, if you want to focus on your career, you have to build this career. You have to build this network. So then I started looking into LinkedIn. And then I was like, oh, this is really where it's happening. Boom. What what do I want to be or see? And, then, you know, I wrote it down, strategized, And I, I've given several talks on the details of that and uh, we can go as deep or as shallow as you want, but I kind of talked about setting the goals that, like you said, this is not gonna happen again. Recruiters are gonna reach out to me. That's where I'm gonna position myself and I'm about to start now. And then I just started you know, started posting, started my strategy, just execute, I'm talking late nights, adding people, sending messages of just connecting, the, creating the network first, and then posting the content. I think the success of that is the po- is posting co- uh content that is actually value. You know, because a lot you know we we talk about LinkedIn success or LinkedIn LinkedIn pro- uh uh I guess yeah, LinkedIn success, right? But then most people leave out the value part. You cannot just post to post because oh like you have to post more. It's not just posting more, it's posting value. <laughs> you know, so I I write my posts, my tips, I reread them. I edit them. Sometimes I write them two, three days ahead and just sit on it, think through it. It's a whole process that people miss and people don't understand. So so I, I went through all that to build that network. And then now fast forward, you know, this was yeah, so 20, what it was it twenty, I think it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, 2019, because uh, I haven't been at PayPal for that long and yeah, and Home Depot. So 2019 was when I started um, LinkedIn going, you know, uh, applying, implementing my strategy. And then fast forward a year after I'm crowned, you know, top design, top voice in design, which is like, wait a minute, you know, that wasn't part of my plan. My plan was to get to the point of having uh, professional success and also building the network so that I don't have to spend three months uh, and looking for a job. But then here you are it's like, wait, here's a little icing on the cake. We actually appreciate you from LinkedIn itself, you know, and now I'm part of the you know the LinkedIn influencer
0: network like thingy and it's just but it it's just beautiful. didn't happen by accident right like this is I think this yeah. is the important thing, and I understand like the job market in the last couple of years with the move to remote and with the uh, pandemic it's pretty good right now for product and design people, uh, but I think this is such an important point that you're making or the story that you're telling about needing to not leave career success or your trajectory up to chance and yeah. actually you spoke about taking action earlier but also in here you've spoken about creating value through yeah. those posts and I mean this is we're talking about uh, you know the one 101 random ux tips right that actually ended yeah. up becoming becoming the book right the and book, of course that and, is yeah and and so you can see how these actions build on top of each other and they they've really helped you to to get into this position now where you are in demand and you've yeah. built yourself a, a really solid network and you will probably never experience that situation again that you did yeah, in 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, never cuz now I'm sitting on uh you know it, it uh, thankfully and and super super gra- you know grateful but I'm sitting on uh or or I have a connection or network with so many major companies that I'm just like, oh, this is awesome, right? And it's not just because uh, because I want to. It's it's because of the value that I I brought to the table to say, hey guys, like I actually have something to offer, you know. And it's not just an emotional offer. It's actually something that I've been putting in work for the past six seven years. So here is all my experience so far and the knowledge that I brought. And they're like, oh, actually, we find this useful, so we want you. It's like, oh, well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so,
0: uh, you, you've so also used plan. an analogy in the past. You've talked about this notion of a of a fruit tree, and I don't know if that's sparking anything. Yeah, yeah uh, for yeah, yeah. you. Do you want to tell us about yeah. that? Because I thought that was quite a quite a nice way of summing up what it yeah, is that we're talking about. It, yeah, it's
1: something I stole from one of my my uh, you know readings as well. But mm. it's like like I was talking about the seed earlier. Of the seed has everything that it needs, and. You're, you know, you're a seed, I'm a seed. You have everything you need to succeed and to fulfill your purpose on earth. And and so do I, once I understood that concept, I was like, oh, you know, I can be anything, I can do whatever. But then after the seed germinates and becomes a tree, it does not go to like the market to offer its apple fruits to customers. Actually, the farmer would have to go to the tree to pluck some apples if they want apples. If the tree's by the roadside, people would have to walk to the tree to get some of the fruit, you know, if there are animals, if this tree's in the wild, the animals will will have to go to the tree. So it really kind of changes your understanding of if you become somebody that provides value, people will come to you. And I, I was like this is, this is, this is not rocket science. This is such a beautiful principle (laughs) that I was like, oh, so all I have to do is be a a person of value. Done. Read, 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 practice, practice, work, you know, just, I can do that. Yeah. Refine your craft and then position yourself in a way that you can be found. That's another part that, you know, I, I think people miss of just like refine the craft, refine your skills, and then position yourself in that perfect place. Cause like the tree can be deep down in the woods somewhere with no access to animals or humans and those fruits are just going to fall down and they'll they'll rot but if you're you know properly positioned you would have the benefit that you're looking for and also also those fruits would be useful but yes that concept continues to prove true um you know i've I've given so many talks in like large universities i do not have a four-year university degree but I've given talks at four-year university. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, it's crazy. There's another so, myth
0: that we could get <laughs> into, that, the, uh, yeah, the myth of formal education, um, yeah. that that might <laughs> sidetrack us. But you're making an incredibly relevant and, and true point here, or at least I believe it to be true. I was speaking to Jamie Levy, who's the author of UX Strategy, a couple mm. of weeks ago, and right. she was saying that you know she invested two years writing the first edition of the book, Um, It was a a low income period for her because she was putting all of her energy into the book. And Mm -hmm. she said that the best thing that she did or she realized after she'd written the book was she needed to get out there and tell people about the book. So she went and toured the world, spoke, gave workshops, did the whole marketing piece, right, that sometimes in design we feel a little bit icky about. But there's no point writing a wonderful book like that. And then not telling anyone about it because people will not come. People will not find you. Exactly. Got so position. Got to position, it. A, got to
1: position yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really key. Really key point. I yeah. want to come to the the writing piece of of your content of your posts. You know, you've obviously talked about how you would write them. You'll sit on them for a few days. You'll reflect on them. You know, consider whether or not they are actually of value. Now, it strikes me that this process, and, and I suppose this is not uncommon for many authors, um, mm. is. Is quite, a, uh, is quite a self-reflective exercise and, and requires you to sharpen your own mind in yeah. order to ensure that what it is that you're putting out there is gonna sharpen others. Yes. You know, what personal blind spots or rough edges have you discovered in yourself or in your practice of UX as a result of putting all this energy and investment into writing your knowledge down and sharing it with the world?
1: Um, I'll definitely say because English, so Ghana was colonized by the UK, uh, no, but yeah, by the British, right? So we speak the queen's English, right? You know, the queen was our president quote unquote back in the day. So, so, so that's good. I have that going for me. Good, good education and all that. But I still want to be able to kind of even grow in my English you know expertise. I'm trying to find a fancy word, but I can't think of anything. But you know, the, my my English English writing and speaking skills, right? Uh, even though I've you know I've come a long way and I've 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 done a lot of things that most people haven't, but I still want to even do more. You know, I I read and, and I read from people like Ernest Hemingway and um, you know C.S. Lewis and. Josephus and like all these crazy, you know, authors and crazy awesome in, in an awesome way, and, you know, from from back in the day and even in our new authors, you know, like um, near uh, Eyal, you know, right in the uh, indestructible and hooked, you know, and just like modern authors and just really learning about their life, learning about their process and realizing, and even movies too, movies that that are nerdy, that talk about like books and and authorship and and writers, that just really has always inspired me in their respect for the craft, which I think is huge. Most people just, you know, in in my, my first book, you know, I took my time and everything, but I always want that next product to be better than the the, the, the first, right? Uh, I'm actually writing, uh, as I said, two, and I promise you, on this podcast, Brandon, that I'll be releasing the one first before, you know, of course, one at a time, right? The one I'll be releasing, it's going to have a black cover, predominantly black design. I won't give out the title yet, but predominantly black design. And that's going to be one of the most sold UX books of all time. I'm telling you that right now.
0: <laughs> and what, is it, what is it that's gonna hook people so badly that they, they're gonna to wanna to buy a copy? What are you covering?
1: It's gonna be, be the entire, from my perspective POV, the entire blueprint for UX success. Literal blueprint of um, like, hey, this is our craft, this is what we do and this is really the breakdown of how you excel and succeed in here. You're welcome aboard, jump on, but this is this is really how you do it. We're producing thousands and thousands of UX boot campers, graduates who are just jumping in, into the field and then you have those that are not good. They're just not good, okay? And those that are just like imposters and you have those that really care about the craft because there are people that come into UX for the money and I've given, I've given talks about, it, I've posted about it and said, look, if you're here for the money, you're not going to last because it's very emotionally draining. (laughs) You know, the process of UX, the stakeholder buy-in, the rejection, the approvals, the research it's tedious and not everybody's going to last, but there are certain things that we do, we did right. And we continue to do right as senior UX designers that can help you avoid a lot of these same mistakes. Right. So it's really going to gonna be that book that's like helping designers, both senior and junior to, uh, you know, senior and mid-level, just everyone to say, hey, look, if I'm feeling like, you know, having imposter syndrome a little bit, or if I'm feeling down or feeling unmotivated, something that you could pick up to say, okay, where am I in the process? And then what are some of the things that are gonna be happening around me at this time, at this season? So I'm putting a lot of effort into, into the research, into the, you know, the artistry of it. I think that's the mo- most important part. I'm also writing it as a masterpiece. So the choice of words, the arrangement and the hierarchy of words, the it's just a whole art that uh, I'm having a good time writing for designers. So it's a sif like we're in Figma designing something. That's kind of what I'm. That's the goal I'm trying to achieve with the book. When you're reading it as a designer, I want you to feel like wow, you're designing something. Like this is a designer writing for another design. So it's, it's going to be pretty
0: exciting. Yeah. And is this is this the, is this book inspired by the talk that you've given called "How to Increase Your Competitive"? advantage as yes, yes yeah right because yes, i want to yeah. i want to come i want to come to that because that is on my my little list of things to, to cover with you today um, awesome. you spoke about in that talk the the need uh the very real need to focus on the soft skills ahead yeah. of the technical so actually and- let me,
1: sorry brian let me let me mm. interject a little bit it's not not necessarily that one i think that probably probably planted the seed but the next talk however that followed was the reverse engineering your ux career that was the one that spurred it all and I I was up till 3 a.m preparing preparing content for that talk that was when that idea hit yeah yeah but it's it was right after the one you're talking about yeah
0: well, let's zero in on, if we can, on the soft skills because I think this is such an mm. important thing to cover. You mentioned people coming out of boot camps and, and sort of other formal education, and then they they run run into the very um, real brick wall that can exist when you're actually in a real company doing real work for the first time, or even yeah. just a different environment. You might have come from a really supportive, really helpful uh, design based environment and move into another company that doesn't quite have that same level of maturity, right? And there are some challenges. Mm-hmm. What is it about soft skills? You know, the things that we have to do every day, empathize with others, uh, learn to listen, you know, um, really, really, truly put our, our our human face forward in the best way that people struggle with. So fundamentally, you know, this yeah. strikes me as a really strange thing for such a for a species. You know, humanity yeah. is an incredibly, we're successful because we're cooperative. Yet yes. for some reason, when we hit the work environment, the corporate environment, we seem to freak out and freeze when it comes to some pretty basic stuff. Why is this?
1: Well, you know, that, that's a really good question. And and that's something that I continue to help uh, my mentees and to guide them and to just try to hammer it home to say, listen, <laughs> this is something that you need. Um, and I think it's especially difficult in our world today in the modern world because it's it's modern and everything is so i feel like there there's uh more of a an, an appreciation for entitlement right and i you know you, you, I, I i i would assume that you and i from when we were growing uh, as younger kids kind of uh you had to either like either you had to acquire you know, whatever you want it, you know, not like acquire, like work for it. Right. Kind of thing. Say, please, if, you know, if you're asking for something and just really learn how to maneuver um, your way around getting what you want. And I think we have lost that, you know, a bit of that in in our society today, especially with, with uh, the younger generation coming up and that is affecting the workforce. It's affecting everything because you have junior, you know, I have mentees that from all over the world, you know, I'm on calls from, you know, with mentees in the UK at 1 a.m. Or, you know, India, China. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. But I hear a lot of, um, oh, well, like you're saying, you know, about different work environments. I ha- I've had multiple different work environments. You know, it, that in itself is not a deal breaker. The deal breaker is how you look at it. How prepared are you? How do you understand that process? And I went into every single industry that I worked at with the lens of here to learn something new. You see, here to learn something new. So if I get there and it's a horrible work environment, I'm protecting my sanity, protecting my peace. But with the POV, the perspective of, I'm here to learn something new because there is going to be Something to be learned at every company doesn't matter the environment. And I feel like a lot of people miss that and they just focus on, you know, writing long LinkedIn posts, bashing companies and bashing, you know, uh, uh, other humans and even recruiters. Like, oh, well, I didn't get a call back and this is not right. And it's like, relax, you know, this other person is a human too. Whatever they're going through also matters. Like, everybody's situation matters. But what can you do? is to look at it and find out what you're supposed to be learning in that in that moment because it could be okay learning that that team structure does not work for you right but because they're paying the bills and because you are also in the field that you want to be you're learning you're designing you're growing if you can execute get your job done learn so that's that exchange that you're doing there and then figure out how long you can stay there for, right? Okay, maybe I can do this for two years. Great, you do do your two years with your sh- your shoulders high, with your chest out, you know, with f- joy and execute it to the fullest of your abilities and then just take all that knowledge and guess what? Just spring and excel from
0: there. This is so uh, such an important point that you're making and I'm not saying I'm not suggesting in any way that there isn't bad shit that goes on that shouldn't be tolerated and there yeah. are, there are definitely things that happen in our world that uh t- yeah you just don't have to put up with but yeah. 99% of the time and again that's a, a huge generalization if <laughs> if you can adopt this mindset you know the, the one that you've just spoken about William about uh seeing it as a learnable or a teachable moment you know what am I learning from exactly. this crap experience What a way to protect yourself and what a way to build yourself. I I really think that's a that's such a key framing that you've just brought there.
1: Yeah. I mean, like one thing I just thought of this thing from this uh, event from Ernest Hemingway and I watched his uh, biography once and that changed my life. It changed. There was one time where he I think he went out drinking or kind of like paused writing and went out just living life, you know, just out there in Italy and somewhere just having a good time and people were just kind of talking really saying the worst about him like oh you you fell off you can't really write anymore And he's like oh really i mean the press everybody's just talking crap about him he's like all right took a break kind of just uh, isolated himself and then wrote another piece uh, and i'm kind of shortening the whole process there but i think i think he while he was doing that he wrote one that was like a failure people just didn't accept it and he's like oh I'm still the man, I can still do this in my sleep, I'm gonna go back in and actually isolate myself and put in that um, you know, same level of energy and then just wrote another one that blew all his previous works and, you know, and sales and numbers in the water. So it's important for us to understand those lessons that we're learning through the different environments that we're in. But yes, that outlook is very important and it's not what we're seeing, I mean like, you talk to mentees and, you know, I talk to mentees. It's just the complaints, the thing, the type of things they're complaining about, it's, look, <laughs> it's not that we're not passionate or we don't have feelings. We understand, we hear you, but it's really, those are all things that can be learnable and teachable moments. You know, of course, unless it's like, you know, crazy abuse, or you know, but something that's um, harmful to your human, you know, your existence and and your your uh, sanity and everything. We're not saying any, any of that is is okay, but it's just that there's a lot that we can feed off to become better at our craft, better at as professionals, which will help us to grow to that next level that we're yeah. looking to grow into.
0: Yeah most of most of what we're talking about isn't falling into that that bucket of things you shouldn't tolerate most of it is actually just learning how to be an effective human and yes. get done what you need to get done with the cooperation of others yes. and I think if we can blame anyone for, for this, uh, the situation with people, uh, maybe, maybe needing to do some work on themselves, we could probably blame their parents, which maybe oh, not, yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not a popular thing, but you know, this whole helicopter parenting and the fragility that has come along with that, with some of our, our younger humans is, uh, has really not done anyone a service. Now, do you yes. get the feeling that some of your mentees just need to do a little bit more work on themselves on their own before they come to you with their problems?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. And th- I'm saying this out of love because, you know, if senior, senior designers don't, if we're not honest, uh, honest with our, you know, junior designers and, and, and entry-level designers, they're never going to achieve their fullest potential but if we're brutally honest with them it saves them so much headache and it saves them from repeating the mistakes that we did, we made when we were climbing up that ladder you know but yeah going back to those soft skills you know soft skills are through the window now you know no one really understands kind of the hierarchy the need for you know like cooperation the need for you know respect in your boss and you know just like the whole team dependencies and 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 Goodness, everything is just about me 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 like you know that participation trophy concept of like well why why is not you know why is everyone not listening to me cuz there are 20 people in the room
0: and
1: <laughs> we have yeah, and you're not really the CEO <laughs>
0: Yeah, and Zoom's made it fairly difficult during the pandemic because it's very rare that you actually meet someone else's eyes directly. You know, we're all looking down at the box. You know, I'm doing it now, right? I'm looking at you because I'm looking at the camera. But I mean, when was the last time you actually eyeballed someone and had a good human conversation with them? Exactly.
1: There's a lot of that as I was playing to it. And, And that's what we're talking about. Consciously making the effort to build that network, that physical network, and then physical, you know, uh, physical presence and interaction with other humans, because it really helps with building your, you know, your growth, your courage, your practice, you got to practice that human connection, and it's important.
0: Yeah. What are some of the limiting beliefs or myths that designers that you've encountered in the community, whether they're mentees or colleagues or past colleagues, what are some of those myths or beliefs that we in general terms are holding on to that aren't doing us any favors and that we need to do our best to let go of?
1: Wow, that's a good question. There are quite a few off the top of my head, what I can think about right now, because I'm thinking more in senior, I'm thinking also mid-level now. I would say, a lot of people conclude that one is better than the other when it comes to large-sized or small-sized companies. And I think that is something that's limiting designers' growth, designers' accelerate uh, or ability to excel because you know, somebody's goal might be to work at Google, and that is a very valid goal. That's what they want, or somebody's goal might be to work at PayPal. And that is what they want. It's just like, yeah, PayPal is really, really huge, but it's what they want and that's valid. And then, you know, somebody else might just wanna stay in a small startup, you know, team size. And that's also okay. It doesn't matter, genius, senior. So I feel like that's always limiting because when the opportunities knock, that's where people start getting caught up with their emotions and with the ideas of, and beliefs of like, oh, well, Amazon, You know is is in my inbox but and this these are just examples but this person would just say oh amazon is in my inbox um but i'm not gonna respond or accept because i want to work at a startup company that's great but it's still very limited you know and i feel like it's limited but it's it's limited but it is also acceptable it's fine i mean everything is acceptable to everyone that's you know to each their own but it's fine and acceptable if that's kind of your strategy you know, of like, okay, I'm going to turn this down. And I'm preparing myself in these other areas to get that startup job that I want. That's fine. You know, I talk about strategy a lot and goal setting, that's, that's great planning. But if you're kind of just really winging a lot of things and really not, you know, not really planning and strategizing your life, I feel like that's going to be something that will limit you because you don't know what you don't know.
0: Yeah, so you're you're saying don't don't not act with intention. So still be intentional, still Uh, know what it is that you want, but leave enough space for considering things that might come out of left field so that you're not running the risk of being myopic and missing a great opportunity when one presents itself.
1: Yes, exactly. Because that opportunity could, that could save your career. You never know. It could be that one opportunity that would excel you to manage 30, 500 people in the next 10 years. But because of your limited perspective, you ruined it so that's one of them
0: is it important for designers to be in love with the product to really deeply truly believe in the product on which they're working
1: yes and that is in all the talks and it's in everything i've written and everything i talk about um and that's where i get a little uh, I guess red pill, like a little harsh or direct. That if you're in for the money, you're not gonna make it, and it's like ouch. <laughs> but I'm serious, and I say that with love because the heartache or heartbreak from the pain and the emotional toll that UX takes from people—if you're not passionate about it, you're not gonna be able to handle it. That's just the and what.
0: Truth. What is what is that heartbreak? What is that toll? You know, what are you talking about when you so, say that?
1: so 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 those tolls are for instance uh getting stakeholder buy-in CEOs are not they're not necessarily the uh very nice of people they're not here to like kind of babysit you know what I mean like if if you think about if you take an organizational structure the CEO is not there to make friends necessarily he's there to build to build a company to build you know uh, an, uh business objectives and goals and execute so it's important for uh designers to understand that sometimes your stakeholder buy-in feedback is not gonna come in packaged in the box that you're looking for. You might be looking for that pink, you know, with a rib uh, ribbon with a bow, and it might just come in a camouflage, you know, military style <laughs> box. Or just and a, plain, like, brown, a p- plain brown plain brown one. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's no like, bow. Yeah, no bow and you know no tape. The box is just sitting in it, and you have to understand if you're not passionate enough, that's gonna set you off. It's really gonna set you off, and you're just gonna be like, "Oh, you know, this guy is the meanest person on earth." But then what happens is you leave that company, burn bridges, and then go to another company expecting this, you know, over the rainbow idea, which will never exist because. You don't have the passion and you're looking for that, you know, that payout. And like, yes, UX pays very well, but you have to have that passion. And if you don't have the passion to start with, as you learn, learn what we're here for. Learn what we're doing. We're actually affecting the future of technology. So this is no easy feat of, I just, you know, oh, I could, I could create a button. That looks easy. These guys are going to pay much. No way. Like, that's silly. There are people that talk down on the craft that are junior designers that I've spoken to will talk down on their craft as if it's just like, oh, it's just a red button with, you know, exit on it. Like, I could totally do that. And then in turn, turn around and want the the, the profession to just bow to their, you know, kind of their perspectives or their um, uh, 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 entitled, you know, entitled beliefs. It's like, no, you came in kind of looking down on everybody in here. You're not really, this is not going to change for you because it's real this is serious what we're doing is very serious we're we're affecting experiences emotions we're you know affecting wow people don't understand
0: it, it's very deep mm. you know so it, anyways, it, so, it I, sounds I can, like this really frustrates you
1: it really does because uh that affects the output of uh experiences that we create over the next 10 years and i i take that very i take that to heart because when we came into the into the field i feel like ux was at a certain point that we were excited to be a part of. It was kind of, you know, I feel like the the you know the, the previous UX designers, uh, you know, the experts that came before us did a great job of setting that precedence for us. And then it's up to us to really uphold that same, you know, uh, level of seriousness. Like writers take their art. You know, it's like, hey, this is very delicate. It's the book is finished, but I need to go back and reread it and actually throw it all out and start again. And then you have an editor who's going to go through and read it and then tell you, hey, Brandon, like this three chapters are going to be removed. <laughs> and it's like, wait, so everybody there are gatekeepers there. Every sing- single step is important to protect what we do because we're affecting human computer interaction. It's not just, you know, it's not just fun. This is people's lives and relationships and
0: emotions and data and goodness. The us series. <laughs> I've yes. probably mentioned this before, but I had a really great conversation with Bob Baxley, who used to be at Apple as one of the heads of design and now he's senior VP of design at ThoughtSpot. And mm-hmm. he described what it is that we do and, in, in some really interesting terms, actually, that really stuck with me and, and his view is that software, the design and the, the, the development, the creation of software of products is actually the most important and influential cultural medium of our time. Wow. And that, that, wow, like that really struck me as a way of framing the just amazing opportunity and ability to impact the culture that we have and the responsibility that comes along with that. And so I get it. I get it when you say that it annoys you, it frustrates you when people don't, quite wrap their brains around the the gravity of Mm -hmm. what it is or the potential of influence and impact that we can have
1: yes yes and then because if they don't then it's going to affect their methodology it's going to affect the output it's going to affect you know like what's pushed out and that's not going to support i mean it's going to skew culture society into a whole different direction or directions that are not really helping us as a whole, no research, no this, no that, and it's like, wh- what are we doing? We're killing that culture. We're killing that that crap. But that's such a beautiful way to put it. Yes, it's definitely, you know, we're shaping the future. We're shaping experiences, and computers are not going anywhere. They're in cars. They're in everything now. You know, so even conversational design, like with all these new in-home um, devices, conversational design, no screens, but they're still UX designers. You know. Or not you, but you know, conversational designers that are building these experiences, every single detail matters. We cannot even take that lightly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to come back to time. Because I time, feel like I what we've time. what what we've just been talking about and time are dovetailing here, at least in my brain. And there's often a lot of pressure in the environments that we work in. You know, we were just talking off here how it's been a really busy year and that, um, you know, it's actually my my year seems to be finishing in a more hectic manner than it started, right? But there's never enough time. It's a constant uh, issue that we face. Probably every industry does, to be fair. But I always hear designers complaining about not having necessarily enough time or Mm. resource to practice Mm. design in the, the perfect way you know the yeah. way that we read about in the books and that we get all excited about and this really 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 frustrates designers how do you manage the tension the sort of inherent tension that exists in a world that there are scarce resources and never enough time in right. order to to do perfect work you know how do you navigate this and still make things that you're proud of so
1: that's a really good question i think it comes up to it comes down to prioritization right and prioritization of every single aspect of your life. It's like so deep, right? So you have the professional aspects, but your sleep, your health, you know, your breaks, all of those matter in order to, oh, I think that uh, that goes um, to support a little bit of what I was talking about on um, the podcast with uh, Kaden. Uh, uh, Kaden, yeah. So yeah, it's about that high productivity. Most people think it's just like, oh, I got to either perfect my skills and watch a bunch of YouTube videos. No, listen to podcasts. That's, it's like, that's great, but are you taking breaks? Are you staying you know, active? You know, how are you eating? What's, what does that look like? Because your performance is dependent on your, on your health. It is dependent on how um, healthy you are. So, so I would say prioritization prioritization of every single detail in your life, including what time you sleep, what time you wake up, what time you eat. And, you know, so our calendars are mostly just meetings. My calendar has what time I wake up, what time I eat breakfast, what time I have a snack, what time I have lunch, you know, because you have to have that full day calendar. If you miss out on any of that, that time is going to go to waste more than likely because it is... Uh, and then going that going up to or kind of interjecting here about financial knowledge and management, uh, something that Dave Ramsey said about planning for every dollar. So the money that you don't plan for, it's probably going to go to waste. You're probably going to buy something stupid with it.
0: <laughs> so it's something like, will it's, speak for it, right? Yeah, something yeah. will find a way. You'll find a find way, find way to a spend way. it somehow. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. So it's in the same way every second. Every second is you know every second matters right where you gotta you got you, you gotta plan for every second like I wake up you know you wake up at seven seven thirty and then okay 15 minutes and as you wake up you're actually paying attention to this time that you've set to for yourself right and I think that's that's the key so prioritization and then planning every second of that 20 12 hours 24 hours that you have no, oh, it's it's a bit broad, but I promise people, guys, this is really the key.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like health, your own health is actually quite an important part of that in your hierarchy of prioritization. And yes. there, you know, there are a number of cliches about that, but it is really true. And I've noticed this over this year, there is nothing more important than your health. And yeah. I certainly during the extended lockdown we had here in New Zealand, in particular in Auckland of almost four months, mm that went by the wayside a little, you know? Yeah, and yeah. the way I got it back was scheduling time for me to go out and do physical activity in my calendar. I know yeah. that sounds a bit over the top, maybe to some people. Um, but if it didn't, if I didn't, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really important. People look after, look after your health and you'll find that you've got the energy to deal with the other challenges that are presenting themselves.
1: And sticking with it, you know, like planning, yeah. putting it up and sticking with it. And, you know, now I'm, I've always enjoyed riding bicycles, so I'm actually looking for this next season in my life. I'm gonna be, I'm looking for a bicycle. I like, I like craftsmanship, so I want something that's like created with like really love and care, um, and also the ability to support you know a small business. So I want something that like that, and I also want to pick up boxing, you know, just just something that I've never done. But I'm like, you know what? Why not? Really, like if people ask themselves why not a lot. They'll they surprise themselves.
0: It'll you know? be the hardest thing that you've ever done. I'm going boxing in 20 minutes and just, oh, just, really? for, just for, for fitness with my trainer. And I nice. promise you, you think you're fit before you put on some gloves and then hit some pads, you'll find yeah. out just how fit you are after you've done your first session.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Wow. That's even better. I love it. I love that. I love that feedback. I'm excited because if, if it's going to help me just realize, okay, you need to maybe work on this, do this, and then over time, really commit to it, sign up for a monthly, whatever I need to do, and just stick with it. I think it's important, you know?
0: Yeah. This is actually making me think of, just before we wrap up for today, it's making me think of, and I can't remember who I heard this from, but you have to consider making decisions, the one decision that will remove a thousand others. And Mm. I think that that is um, really applicable to what we've been talking about here. Like my pre-commitment to fitness comes in the form of making a decision to get a boxing trainer. And it just means that I know every week, three times a week, I have to turn up at whatever time we've agreed. Because if I don't, I won't. And I'll let somebody else down. It's just something now that I do. So try to try to remove all those unnecessary mental loads that you place on yourself by having to make, you know, choices every day when you can just make one and and, and make it much easier for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's beautifully said. Yeah. So William, if 2020 and 2021 have shown us anything, it's that life doesn't always work out as we'd hoped for, and that the universe doesn't really care too much about (laughs) the carefully made plans that we've just both spoken about. You've had to deal with your own set of challenges through your life as everyone listening will Mm -hmm. have to deal with theirs as well. Yeah. and you've come out on top, you know, things are going pretty well for you. you. For the people listening today, what's your message for them as they begin 2022? What do you want them to remember from our conversation, from your story, from all the things that you've put out into the world? What do you want them to remember and to focus on in 2022?
1: That is, that is awesome, that's a great question. So if there's anything that I want listeners to remember, is that the first one being you have so much that's already in you that the world is waiting for. And I think it's important for every individual to realize that because if not, we all miss out on what you had to offer. And if you're not able to take advantage of it, who knows, I mean, we have electricity, we have all these inventions that think about the one device or invention that you utilize a lot. If that person, man or woman did not fully manifest and and tap into that, we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have that better life, comfortable life that we have today. So that's key. That's number one. And then the second part is plan, plan, plan. Strategy, plan, strategy. (laughs) Uh, But uh, actually, no, before you plan and strategize, I would say research, read, learn, uh, just always learn. Always every single. So th- that's the only thing. Every single time of my day, I'm learning something. Even so, I could be working on on a project. You know, even at work, working on on projects at work, and I would have like a podcast playing in the background, or I'd have an, a book, you know, an audio book playing in the background, or a YouTube channel of ten things you didn't know existed in you know, in Sweden or something and just (laughs) every single moment. So I'm multitasking and my brain left and right, every single part is being utilized because I have perfected the skill of the UX, you know, my UX part. So I'm building that, but then I'm also learning at the same time. And then the process evolves into something fun, something uh, even better, because now I'm not just like just designing and feeling like oh this is so much work i hate ux they're not paying me enough no it's like i'm enjoying what i'm doing but also i'm learning at the same time and utilizing time at least twice if you can utilize your time in a way that benefits you in a way that you're learning please do it you know because that's going to help you with the planning it's going to give you more knowledge more data to execute as you go and then you know do not be afraid Do not be afraid of, uh, of, of trying new things, you know, uh, treading new waters. These are, these sound cliche, but even, um, local to UX design is that like, do not be afraid to take on new, new roles and new industries, new companies that you may have thought, you know, I don't want to work for this company. Maybe because I read one article online and then now I believe this thing about them. Look if you know if you are able to give companies a chance if you are able to look at it like there's something that i can learn here because there is something that you can learn in every company good or bad so if you can look at it through those lenses i believe that you will surprise yourself with the opportunities and the environment that you'll find yourself in um, and of course do not take any abuse or you know anything crazy stand up for yourself uh, as always and then you know um, please protect our craft as designers protect what we do because the Essentially, the fate of humanity, the future of technology depends on it. You know, culture depends on it. You know, the generation that's coming after us depends on it. So it's not something to be taken lightly. We need to protect the method- methodologies, the processes, respect the craft, um, refine, reiterate, and keep that process intact. Because if the moment we stop doing that, we can, cont- we, per- the moment we stop doing that is the moment we produce experiences that really do not serve the greater purpose right so so let's do that and then i think um for the last thing i would say yeah i I already said don't limit yourself but live fully you know because we talked about time and time is passing by every single day not in a in a scared way do not be afraid of time but try to own it if if you if you really need to buy an hour well, I would say buy an hourglass, you know, just to like really start start appreciating that process of like when you have it in your hand and it's going and you realize, wait, this is actually, you know, a representation of like time. It's like it's, it's going. You're watching it deplete. It's a whole new way of looking at life um, and you will you will succeed. I mean, I think we're all going to be all right if if we keep working at what we're supposed to be doing. So.
0: Yeah, What a great place to leave our conversation, William. I've really enjoyed the energy and the very clear passion that you have brought to it. Thank you for so generously sharing your stories and your experiences with me today.
1: Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for what you're doing for the UX community, by the way. You're fully living it out. You're fully um, manifesting. And I think that is what we've been talking about all day today if we can each fully focus and fulfill and manifest our purpose we contribute to the greater good and the future of technology so
0: yeah oh, you're most welcome i'm very touched <laughs> william if people want to follow you and find out about all the wonderful contributions that you're making to the field to our community what's the best way for them to do that
1: I would say LinkedIn. And uh, my name is William Intim on LinkedIn. And then YouTube. I'm going to start. I'm starting a YouTube channel trying to get some more content uploaded there. So that's going to be good. And then, of course, on Amazon and all the book stores, I'm going to be making sure my books are available there as well.
0: Perfect. Thanks, William. I'll make sure that I link to everything, all the, all the ways that people can find you, YouTube channel, LinkedIn, where they can find the the book and books when the new one's out, let me know. Um, everything as, um, as people will know will be covered in the show notes as well. So you'll be able to get hold of those resources there. If you enjoyed the show and you want to hear more great conversations like this with world-class leaders in UX design and product management, don't forget to leave a review on the podcast, subscribe, and also pass the Podcast along if you feel that there are other people in your sphere that would get value from these conversations. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. My profile will be linked to in the show notes at the bottom, or you can head on over to the space in and find me there. That's the space in And until next time, keep being brave.